Jake Brainy here with you at 8.20 on a Wednesday, April 15th. How's it going? Here with me tonight, I have a special guest, the lovely, beautiful, here with me always, Miss Sam Sweezy. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> this is a takeover of the Jake podcast. You did well. Thank you. That was really impressive. <laughs> it shows that you've been listening to my podcast since the inception because I basically say the same thing every time. You should switch it up a little bit. Maybe I should. <laughs> all right, so that's all I'll do. Next time I'll have a different intro to really throw you off and all my hundreds of thousands of listeners. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, um, how is everyone doing? <laughs> this is uh, Jake Brainy, The not real the, one. The real one, not the imposter Sam uh, sitting over on the right side of the couch but it is 8 20 on wednesday uh we had a big day today just finished dinner uh really bummed about this masked singer repeat episode because i was excited to watch that but gives us time to uh you know play with nola and record the pod so what's new with you sam well, Anything you want to tell anyone? Day a thousand of quarantine mm-hmm. uh slowly going out of my mind still um, I mean... Slowly? Fastly? Quickly. <laughs> uh, see, I can't even speak proper grammar anymore. That's how bad it's getting to me. You're like, it's a big day over here, and I'm like, oh, what did we do? The same thing we've done for the past... Yeah, it was like, kind of... Saying it was a big... Four weeks, I worked. Saying it was a big day was kind of just time filler for me, because they're really... <laughs> I, I had a nap. <laughs> you did. I could hear you snore all the way from upstairs. Yeah, I never napped during uh, the day, but the moment work ended, I just folded up my computer and I napped. But we do have big news, big breaking news on the Jake podcast. Breaking news. <clears throat> this is the first time. So we're approaching episode 100. This is episode 97. Uh, I've done over 100 episodes because I had the 12 Jake Miss episodes one year. But this is the first episode. In the 97 plus that I'm doing, recording this without something. Do you know that? Without what? I shaved my beard this weekend. (laughs) And in my logo, it is really obvious that I have glasses and a beard. And this is the first time I am recording this episode without the beard. So this is kind of like... It's not. It's a good week for you to take over the Jake because you're a fraud. Like I'm a fraud. I don't have my beard. It's growing back. It's really, it's prickly right now. But this is breaking Jake news. Jaking news. <laughs> it is Jaking news. I before you shaved it, I have never known a Jake without a beard. Mm-hmm. So it was a little. We. I mean, we had talked about it. We thought it was a good idea to. Shave it off because it was getting really long and kind of... Um, you can say dirty. Unkept. That's <laughs> what I'll say. You can say dirty. It's, um, it's, it was it was dirty and like after hearing my man, Dr. Fauci, be like, masks don't cover the germs that catch in your beard. And like, I was like, mm, that's like somewhat of a problem with me because it was super bushy at the time. Uh, I've been using like a lot of products and stuff in my beard, which I'm going to get back to using when my beard is grown back but it was just like the perfect storm of like time to shave it off yeah so when you i didn't know we had talked about that you were going to do it but i didn't know you were doing it at that specific moment and so when you came downstairs and you had no beard i it took me a second to even realize and then um it was weird seeing it for the first time because i've never seen you without a beard 
But um, your handsome either way. Oh, that's really nice. Thanks. Yeah. But I do like Jake Beard better. Beard Jake. Bearded Beard Jake. Jake better. Jake Beard. <laughs> um, I like myself with a beard better as well. Uh, when my parents saw it, they're trying to like compliment me extra to like, you know, entice me to keep like the shaven face. And I was like, guys, like, don't even try. Don't don't try and suck up to me because I'm not interested in keeping the shave shave face. I'm going to grow the beard back. This was just a temporary thing. But this is the first time since 2015 that I've had like a clean shave. And I went straight down too. I was yeah. like, I was in the shower for like 45 minutes like shaving because I wanted to get every hair off of my face. Yeah, it was completely clean. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little prickly now, but it'll be back. I think, uh, you know, the draft is a week from Thursday, a week from tomorrow. So uh, I think by draft time, I'll be back to like kind of like my like real beard. Uh, not like a beard beard, but like at least where like you can't see the skin underneath. Looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. I know you really don't like it. I, I hate it. I, I like every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, all right, one more day, one more day and it'll be a little bit darker and like I'll, I'll see less of my face. Um, but you know, it is what it is and this is the perfect time to do it. You said it cause I'm in the quarantine. I, I'm seeing the least amount of people period. You're seeing a lot on my face though. So I, I feel bad for you. No, that's, it's a beautiful sight. Oh. That's really sweet. Um, that squeaking you hear in the background is our producer and third co-host, Nola Bola Bean Burrito. Uh, she got a giraffe this week, and it makes a squeak. And uh, hopefully that doesn't mess with the audio too much. To, yeah, I'm about to take it away. I had to order her food from Chewy.com, you know, our sponsor. <laughs> That'd be and, a great sponsor. <laughs> Chewy would be a great sponsor. And um, I don't know. I saw I love giraffes and I saw this little toy and I was like, oh, I'm going to get this for her. And she's been chewing through the toys like crazy. So it was like rubber. So I was like, maybe this will be like better for her. Yeah. And then when it arrived, it's basically like this, the size of our hand. And I was like, that's not... I yeah. didn't think it was going to be that small. So I've taken it away and she is looking hard for it right now. But uh, hopefully she'll forget about it because... If we know one thing about Nola is that when you take a toy away, she just moves on real quickly to the next one, which is a lie. (laughs) Sarcasm. Sarcasm alert. Uh, Nola is the king of, of whining when she doesn't get her toy back, especially when she kicks it underneath the couch and we can't get it. Uh, crap. Just give it back to her. Okay. Here you go. But that's not the only news. Uh, so, you know, we're stuck in the house. But uh, last week we covered our top ice cream flavors. Uh, this week we'll do a different top five about something more newsworthy. Uh, we have watched a couple documentaries this week, though. Um, we could have talked about this last week, but Tiger King is sweeping the nation. There's actually an eighth episode that came out that everyone said, don't watch, it's not worth your time. Uh, because all it does is like recap and tell you what they're up to now, which, you know, like we know what they're up to now. Um, but... What did you think about Tiger King? I mean, it's insane. I mean, this is why it's sweeping the nation is because it's insane. They are a different breed of people is what I keep saying. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to just, like, preface this and say, like, take away what you will, like, like, try to block out the whole, like, animal cruelty thing. I know, like, a lot of yeah. people are having a tough time with that, and I get it. It's sad, and, you know, they live in cages, and they may or may not have yeah. been treated and handled properly. That's but a different you, argument. Yeah, that's take, like, yeah. If you take that out and you just focus on Joe Exotic, 
It's like he is the most extreme human being I've ever seen. And just the whole thing with his zoo and Carol Baskins. I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah. Uh, when he like described himself and just threw in that he was gay in the first episode, you and I were like, what? Like, <laughs> like, like on top of everything, this guy is also like... Like a gay Republican from o- Oklahoma, like a gun-toting broke. Uh, <laughs> everything he just mentioned about himself was like a, I like a hugely identifying point to any American, and he's like nine of them. Uh, it'll definitely be like the Halloween costume, even though like that's ways away. Uh, that'll still be like the only Halloween thing is that and Carol Baskins. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. already a lot of people are dressing up as him and doing little uh, videos mm. on Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. We gotta get a TikTok. <laughs> no, we do not. The Jake Podcast TikTok? No. We'll do that. What's the truff, the truff shuffle? No. What is it called? I don't know Toilet, what it's called. Toilet shuffle? I don't know what it's called because I don't... The TikTok dances like have got to stop. Yeah. They've got to stop. They're, they're not cute after you see it like the thousandth time. Mm-hmm. by like this I don't know I'm just TikTok whatever yeah it's not even TikTok this started well before with like you know this is basically like every year there's something where and now it's like every other month there's a, something new where it's like you know it started out with like you know the ice bucket challenge had like a reason behind it but then there was like the Harlem Shake and like all these like different things that like oh you gotta do it you gotta film it and you gotta put it online and like famous people will do it and like and now it's just like, now it's the dumbest shit in the world. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with that other than the fact that it's just like, it, I mean, I guess people have a lot of extra time on their I'm hands. I'm sure we've hit a nerve with some people who are doing the TikTok dances, so mm. I don't apologize. <laughs> Stop doing it. I like TikTok for the the funny stuff mm-hmm. and um, some like hacks that I've learned to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. But um, please, for the love of God... Stop doing the dances. Stop doing the flip the switch challenge. Oh, yeah. Um, I really have had it. Yeah. All right. We're going to pause to figure out what's going on with this dog. Okay. I don't know what's going on with this dog. I think she's having the quarantine crazies just like the rest of us. I'd say so. Which is fine. Like, like the one thing that is has been nice about the quarantine is like, okay, it is a good time to be home with a puppy because like she gets the attention and we don't have to leave her, which is nice. Um, but she's stuck inside with us a lot too. And she wants to play and have fun. Uh, we do get to like take her out for walks, whether it's like on our lunch break or after work, but there've been a lot of rainy days too recently. So, uh, I can definitely feel the dog getting the quarantine crazies as well as you and I. Yeah. It's tough for her because she wants to play. She's yeah. a playful dog. She's a playful dog. And puff. I can't, you know, we can't do that when we're working. Yeah. She likes to bark at people, too. Contrary to what people think, like, when you work from home, like, I don't know about you, but I actually have to work. What do you mean you don't know about me? I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sam has the theory that I don't work and that I just uh, I, I just ignore her all day when I'm at Morgan Stanley and, and uh, I don't actually do stuff. That's what it seems like, you know, when you were at in the office, you'd be like, I can't talk right now, I'm busy, and I've been watching you the last few weeks, I'm like, mmm... The good thing is, I used to pick up everyone else's phone, but now that we can forward work numbers to everybody else, uh, they all pick up their phone, which is great. Uh, so that's accountability. Lim- <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Anyway, not to not to dive into too much work because it's already you know hump day. Uh, other big things that have come out. Uh, you're a big documentarian. 
Actually, no. That would be someone that makes documentaries. You're not I a big documentarian. That would, yeah, that'd be cool. I, I'd like to make a documentary with you. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, you like watching documentaries, and we just watched one on HBO called The Scheme, uh, where it was about kind of like this. Do you want to describe it? Uh, it's it's a lot to do with the college basketball recruiting scandal and violations and. Uh, it was it was wild. I was I was really entertained by it. No, I thought it was great. I I was a little let down because I thought it was another um, docu series. Yeah. So I, I thought we were gonna get more, but it was like two hours and twenty minutes or something. But um, yeah, it's about this guy. I think his name is Christian Dawkins. Correct. Who um, in his eyes, he thought he was like an agent, a sports agent. Um. But, like, he basically had, I guess, relationships with, like, play, like different high school players mm-hmm. and then would basically be the middleman of, like, these universities, like, kind of paying to have these kids go to their schools for college. It's really funny hearing his side of the story and they'll flip directly over to the lawyer that's telling it in, like, technical terms and then, like, hearing what other people define, like, in the industry as... And, like, he really did think highly of himself when, in reality, like, and I said it a couple times, and I don't mean to be, like, mean towards him, but, like, he's a bit of, like, a parasite where, like, like he type, he just, like, latches on to the successful people, does what, like, they don't want to do or they need done, and, like, basically just, like, fakes his job title Long enough till he can move on to somebody else. I mean, he the, he had an Uber scandal where he basically told a family of one of the drafted players they could use the company Uber, and he rung up forty thousand dollars worth of Uber charges from an old company he used to work. Yeah, for a company he wasn't even at anymore. So like, that's the perfect example. Like 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 he could defend it saying like. I didn't realize it was on my old company card. I didn't realize they handed it out to so many people. Like, like those are all, like, you can defend yourself with that. But, like, at the same time, everything just that came off of him was, like, you think you're more important than you are. You think you're better at what you do than you are. And you aren't. And, unfortunately, like, he went to prison. He went to jail. He was a, He's a convicted felon now. Because they couldn't get bigger, higher up people like they were aiming at Rick Pitino, who at the time was coaching Louisville. And they were aiming at these, you know, like uh, um, Sean Miller, the Arizona coach, and Will Wade, the LSU coach. Those were kind of like the big targets of, of the of the whole thing. But like they couldn't get those coaches. So they had to settle for the runner or like, you know, the like, you know, recruiter or whatever. Uh, this kid, Christian, who is like in his mid-20s now and at the time was like 20, 21 years old. Yeah, I was um, just going to say he was young, which I think plays into kind of his cockiness. And he didn't go to college. Like, yeah. you know, he went right from high school to like building this business. I do think that he has a little bit of narcissism in him because yeah. his mom read a letter at the end of the documentary that Christian wrote when he was in high school and it was kind of like why he doesn't feel the need to go to college. <laughs> and it was basically just him saying how great he is and how amazing he is and how... Like, they don't need to worry because he's so great and has all these special skills. And- <laughs> Listening to the mom read out, like, and every other word, she was like, oh, boy. Like, like she, like, literally had to, like, take yeah, a second. Yeah, like, he's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, 
you know, your son has some problems here. And she knew it. And the dad was stayed, like, very quiet talking about him. And, like, I mean, this was because he compared himself to Michael Jordan, Barack Obama, Gandhi. Steve like, Jobs. Steve Jobs. LeBron James. Basically, like, the greatest basketball players ever or some of the most famous people of all time. And he said, like, he's one of them in that he's that special of a person and a talent that, like, he, you know the rules don't apply to him and that he is just that creative. And it's like, I, I respect the hustle. I respect the fact that like he tried to make a name for himself and the FBI used the shit out of him. And then the FBI failed their investigation, uh, looking at other people and instead had to settle for him because the, the FBI spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars on recruiting players basically and the money didn't go to anyone except Christian who kept a lot of the money because he was like this FBI guy who didn't know it was working for the FBI he was like this this loser doesn't know what he's doing I'm just gonna keep this money so like he was screwing the FBI out of money which is just hilarious uh the whole thing was crazy yeah I mean they're trying to get like him and some of the coaches and stuff on bribery charges which I feel like when we had talked about like I don't think, and I don't know, like, all the laws when it comes to bribery and things yeah. like that, but it, to, to me, it seemed like it wasn't really a case for the FBI. It was really a case for, like, the NCAA yeah. if they gave a crap. Agreed, like, yeah. I feel like they know this stuff goes on, and they're going to just turn a blind eye to it because mm-hmm. it helps them make millions of dollars. Yeah. So, like, I don't know why the FBI got involved. Like, even if they were getting, like, the big people, like... Mm-hmm. Um, Paterno? Patino. Patino. Yeah. Um, even if they were getting, getting him, then like, what would you, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Nothing was criminal. That was the part that got me. I was like, I was like, is the worst thing they're doing, like paying these players? And then at the end of the show, they had one of the writers talking about it. Like, he was like, you know, if this was MIT or, or, or if, no, he was like, if this is Amazon or Google and they were... Like, looking at high schoolers, like, the best programmers or the best whatever, you know, in computers and looking at them, signing them up for an internship in the summer and paying them and then saying, listen, here's, like, some money uh, for what you did for us. Uh, After college, if you were to look at us and pick us over the competition, that would be great. Like, people would be writing about that in a very positive way. As opposed to when it's in sports, it's not allowed. Like, and Christian Dawkins pointed out, he was like, if I was doing this for a pro player or a, even a high school player that didn't want to go to college, this would be fine and it would be legal and it would be like celebrated. But instead, because of the NCAA, it's not allowed and it has to be hidden. And then this brings up a whole new side of the argument of do you pay like college players? And I got to be honest, I've always been on the side of like, I would not pay college players because then it gets into a nasty business of the highest, the best schools, which include like, you know, Ohio State football. Like I don't, I'm not like blind to that. Like, like one of the places that would benefit would be the Ohio State football team if you could pay players. But I don't want to see that because then you don't have as many upsets because the difference between the best programs and the worst programs gets much wider if you can start paying players, because if you're a high school kid and you hear that Alabama is the best, their facility is the best, and they pay the best, you're gonna go to Alabama. Like it's that yeah. simple. I mean, I'm on, I'm on such a, a fence because 
I don't like that the NCAA makes millions of dollars yeah. off these kids mm-hmm. and they get nothing. Yeah. Um, but I agree, like, if you start playing people, then, like, like you, ma- you made a good point for, I guess, like, um, like college basketball teams or I guess just college teams in general, like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't give any of the, like, littler, like, less talented schools a chance Yeah. if you have just, like, all of these huge universities that can pay mm-hmm. to have these, like, all-star teams and it's almost like, what's the point? Yeah, it's, you said it, like, what's the point? So, and and the money's got to go to somebody. And if we're all watch and the money's coming from the viewers, and if the viewers are watching the kids, the kids kind of deserve the money, don't yes. they? So it's, Someone should come up with something. There needs to be, there needs to be a better situation than the one we have now. But it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, it, it's it, on it, HBO. Yeah, it's on HBO. It's, it's really cool. It gives you a good insight. And it's kind of funny the way they, like, really paint him to be, like, you know, like every time he would like describe somebody, they would pick like his exact words and they're like, Jerry, Italian-ish, uh, Jersey Shore lawyer type. And, you know, I don't know. It, I thought HBO did a good job with that documentary. But anyway, moving along, uh, another big news item they dropped today at noon on YouTube and Twitter. And dog, you got to stop doing whatever you're doing. Um, the Browns have new uniforms. Well, new. I do, in air quotes, because they basically just picked up the uniforms of, like, 2013-14. The ones that they did away with for their crappy uniforms that have Cleveland across the chest and Browns on the side. They went back to the old ones. Uh, Every fan loves it outside of, like, a couple people that are like, I don't have these jerseys. But it's like, we, we wanted something classic. We got classic uniforms back. This is the third team to get new uniforms last, like, two weeks. And I love what the Browns did. It's not just favoritism because they're my favorite team, but these are the uniforms I wanted them to bring back, and uh, they did. I'm happy. Did you check them out? I sent you a bunch of pics. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Um, they're okay. Okay. <laughs> I I mean, the colors are just terrible. Brown and orange. Sorry, everyone, but you just can't do much with brown. Wow. You know, we're the only team that has the, either of those colors. Well, <laughs> and there's a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're okay. I mean, they are better than some of the other older ones you were showing me. Yeah. Um, I do think that they could have done something with like an orange pant. I saw one of the older ones. Yeah. They had like the orange pant, which is cool. I do like though the um, I I forget the name now. The color block ones. Oh, what color rush. Color, color rush. rush. I yeah. do like how that's like all brown cause with like the orange brown, with the orange, orange numbers. Yeah. Number of, yeah on the numbers yeah they they kept the they kept the color rush which is great the all brown uniforms with the orange numbers um the only thing they did differently with those is they had stripe uh, um stripes on the sleeves and piping down the pants uh they took those off so it's really simple um which like at first i was like oh that kind of stinks they didn't need to change that at all but at the same time like they beat those like a dead horse last two years because they're the only uniforms anyone la- you know liked of the of the last like you know, uniform change. So, uh, of course, the you know team tried to use them as much as possible. So they made a little update there, then went back to their uniforms. Um, we'll see if they ever bring back like an orange pant like they had in the '80s because a lot of people really liked that. And I think it's just a fun like change up to you know if you have one or two games a year where it's like you have the you know the brown shirt and the orange pant. I think that's a lot of fun. And you just go back through a lot of what they've had in the past. It's like the '80s. They really experimented with a lot of different styles, 
And I'd like to, you know, have a couple different options. So I love what they did. I didn't like what the Falcons did because I thought the Falcons should have just went to their 90s version of their uniform. And they have that as an alternate. And the Falcons uniforms stink now. They have one, they have one top, like a shirt, that fades from black to red on the shirt. And I'm like, we learned that this is a terrible jersey. So I don't know why they went with that as their like alternate. And they really changed up their numbers. So I didn't think they did well. The Bucks. A well, lot I think of, I did yeah. like though for them. Um, I think it was a picture I saw. Doesn't it say like ATL on the front? Yeah, I it, do like that. Yeah, a lot. Of, I actually, I actually like that. I just don't like uh, the um, like the numbers are like this weird. Like they have like these weird like fangs in the yeah. corner. So it's like it's not fangs, but it's like like talons or whatever because of the Hawks or the, the Falcons. So like I don't know. They just did a little too much there when. I just like, there's so many classic uniforms that teams have that I think they should just go back to, which is why I like what the Browns did. And I really wanted to see the Buccaneers go to their creamsicle ones of the 70s, just like an updated version of that. And everybody was saying they're going to do that, and they didn't. They ended up just going to the ones of the 90s, which are cool too, Like, and they won the Super Bowl with those. So like they have like good memories of that. So those were fine. I didn't like what Atlanta did. Bucks were fine. Browns did great. But what I thought we should do today is we should rank our top five NFL, not just like jerseys, but like logos, color schemes, uniforms, jerseys, what have you. Does that sound cool to you? Yeah, I really went with like uniforms. Okay, uniforms. All right, But cool. you could do whatever you want. Yeah, we'll just dive in. So uh, I, did, I have to be honest, uh, <laughs> this one was tough. This one was tough? Yeah. Okay. Because like through when I'm watching football throughout the year, I don't really focus all the time on their um, uniforms. Yeah. And so when I was like going through pictures, I was like, "Is this the most current? Mm-hmm. Like, is this not? I didn't really want to do older ones. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I had difficulty. Okay. Well, you know what? But I'll, I'll do like uniform as a whole and like color scheme. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start with number five. Do you want me to start? Yeah. Okay. So my fifth favorite. Uh, I like the Buffalo Bills a lot. They, they, they've had like the same kind of like color scheme the whole, you know, their whole existence with like that like royal blue with white and a little bit of red. And I think that's pretty cool. I, I like the, like those colors and I think it kind of fits their like blue collar attitude and everything like that. I've always liked the Bills for a little bit in that reason. And they've recently gone back to their old logo of the 70s and 80s with the red buffalo on the helmet. Um, so I, I like that they did like a throwback recently. And I just like their whole color scheme. I love their logo. I think it's really awesome. And uh, after our trip to Buffalo this uh, fall, I respect them even more. So my number five is the Buffalo Bills. Awesome. I feel like you're doing this right now. No. <laughs> no, I just like don't know if I have like a an an order mm-hmm. of like the ones I like. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. If okay. I could narrow them down. See, like I like this one of the Giants. Mm-hmm. It's when they're in the all white. 
Yeah. And they have the old Giants logo on the helmet. Like the, the like G- GI. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the whole word. Yeah, no, I think, yeah. Um, I, so I think maybe, that's really I'll, cool. I guess maybe I'll put that as my five. Sure, number five. Yeah, I actually really <laughs> these, li- these are not in any particular order. I'm just going to name five. That's fantastic. Okay, cool. I actually like that. I wish they went back to those helmets with the Giants on it. I yeah. thought that was, I thought that was really cool growing up. Then they switched to NY, like, kind of around, like, like, I don't know, like 2004, 2005, something like that kind of is like the Eli switch. Like I feel like they got Eli and Eli was like the NY on the helmet. Uh, but I really liked the Giants on the helmet. I thought that was like a cool look. Yeah, so, so I guess it's like almost like their throwback then or their... Yeah, yeah, like a throwback now. Who knows? Maybe they'll bring it back soon. Uh, my number four is the Chicago Bears. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I love the simplicity of their uniforms and I love their logo of just like the C on the helmet. I know a lot of people don't like that one, but I like the navy blue. I like the orange le- uh, numbers and lettering. And uh, when they kick it to the throwbacks, I think those are really cool. And again, I just like the simplicity of it. And uh, I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. I like the navy blue. And that they don't do much else other than that. And it's kind of like... I, I like that about every, every, every... Like, you know, all the classics, all of those teams, like... I don't like the Yankees, but I appreciate the fact that like they don't do much else other than the pinstripes because they basically own that. And when you see the pinstripes, you understand that. Like Alabama has like a very simple like it's number on the helmet, it's A on the other side, and it's just crimson jerseys. They never fuck around. I hate seeing Duke fuck around with their jerseys because like they have such a classic look, and I hate Duke, but like I, I like that they have something that like is iconic. And I think Chicago Bears are right up there with them. Okay. Your number four or whatever. <laughs> um, I'll say the um, Carolina Panthers. I really mm. love the um, blue color in there. Yeah. And I like when they do the black on black and then like the blue just kind of pops. I do like their black jersey and the numbers are blue. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what, like if it's like teal or like electric know, blue or like whatever. Teal is more like the um, the Florida team. Uh, oh, like the, the Miami? The, no, yeah. the Jaguars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I also like theirs as well when they do the black and the teal or the mm. teal and the black uh, yeah i do agree that like the black like makes the color pop a little bit so all right i i dig that it's definitely like one of the newer ones um uh but yeah i do think they have a pretty cool logo too um all right my number three another classic one you're gonna get that like vibe from most of mine uh green bay packers oh i was gonna put them on my list okay it's classic yeah very classic it's very similar to what like the Casey's were uh, um, at RBC. So when I went to RBC, like my freshman year was the first year that they switched the logo to what like you see now where like, you know, I gave you that sweatshirt where it's like it's half like Notre Dame fighting Irish and half like New England Patriot logo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, that only started when I was like a freshman. Before that, it was a C that looked a lot like the Green Bay G where it was like green, white and gold. And I like that logo a lot. I think those like that color like palette works together really well. And just like the Bears, uh, it's been like tradition. And I feel like Green Bay, like when I see that logo and when I see those uniforms, I see like that's what like football started with. And it makes me think of Lambo and it makes me think of like Title Town. And it's just like it's a good look. And they've kind of like owned that. And no one else would have green and gold because, you know. It's the Green Bay Packers. 
Um, and also, like, I've always rooted for them. Like, when the Browns weren't around in the mid-90s, when they were moved to Baltimore and they had that hiatus, uh, I asked my dad, like, who we root for. And he said Buffalo and Green Bay. He was like, yeah, we can root for those teams. He liked the, you know, Rust Belt attitude of those cities. Green Bay is owned, like, the, the team is owned by the city, which is really cool. And, like, there's not, like, a billionaire owner. I mean, they're, they have, like, you know, a board and everything. But I think it's just really cool that they're different in that way. So my number three is Green Bay Packers. I'm pretty happy with that. Okay. So it's my number three? Yeah. My number three, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. Oh, I really have cool. I yeah. really have a thing about like black on black mm-hmm. uniforms and then like you know whatever their secondary color is. Yeah. So um, I like that, but also just they're like, I guess they're like classic ones with the gold pants and the white. Yeah, I I do. Li- I even like when they go all white and then it's like and yeah. and then they have like the number pops a little yeah. bit more. Uh, they were on my like honorable mention. I was really close to putting them in the Kansas City Chiefs, but I didn't put either of them. I have an honorable mention that you're gonna be like, what? What? Like, what? Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like the Saints one. That's really cool. Like their their helmets, like the Vegas gold, like yeah. like look really cool. And um, yeah, they're when they do the all white or the all black, I think those are really awesome. And and then you just have like a little bit of like that gold that like sticks out. That's a good one. That's a good choice. Thank you. My number two is going to shock you. Oh, boy. What do you think? I mean, there's no way you're going to say, like, the Steelers or the Ravens. No, it's the Cleveland Browns. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. My number two is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Of course, their new uniforms, not their, you know, like, the ones that came out today. So, the new ones that just came out that are kind of like the ones that they had for the Joe Thomas years, let's call it. Um... I just love that they went back to the classics. We talked about this plenty. Uh, it reminds me a lot of like what I liked about the Browns and these most recent years, the ones with all the losing and the ones with Johnny Manziel and Hugh Jackson and all the embarrassing shit that's gone on with the Browns recently. Like it's nice that I can move past that. We can move past that with the with new uniforms. I love that the Browns went back to the uniforms that I'm used to. And uh, it's exciting. It's exciting times to, you know, have that, like, rate of roll. So, what do you th- what do you think about that? Cool. I don't know. I'm, I'm never going to like the Browns uniforms. Yeah. What They're do you think? okay. They're okay. I guess there's worse. You just don't like their colors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't look good in brown either, so. I don't think anyone looks good in brown. You would look great in brown. You'd look great in anything. Thank you, but I won't. Okay. Um, what do you think about their logo? It's just a, a, an orange helmet. That's fine. Okay. Because again, like, I don't know. Like, what is a what is a brown? I know it's a dog, it's Paul but... Paul Brown. It's Paul Brown. The team was named after Paul Brown. <laughs> no, I know that. I don't know. <coughs> it's fine. Um, you know, there was talk when they were doing these uniforms that they were going to bring back the elf. Uh, that used to be on the... That used to be the logo in the 60s, um, way back when. And... The reason for that talk is it's on the draft hat. Every year at the NFL draft, they give out players these new hats. Um, and the one on the Browns hat is the elf. So everyone was thinking they're bringing back the elf in the new uniforms. But they didn't. They didn't bring it back at all. And I really thought they were going to give them a logo, which I wouldn't have I wouldn't have hated that if they brought back the logo and said, hey, listen, we're going to be doing, like, you know, we'll actually have a logo now that's not just the orange helmet. So that would have been cool. But, uh 
alas, I've talked enough about the Browns uniforms. They're really plain and simple, but I love them. Yes. Okay. My turn with number two. Yeah, your turn. Uh, I'm going to say um, <coughs> the Seahawks with the lime green. That is a terrible choice. Why? I hate those. Those Why? are ugly. No, they're not. Oh, man. I think they did something really cool. They took like a you know forest green color and they made it neon. And I think it's nice and it pops. And I love when they do the neon cleats. Um, so I really like it. Wow. Okay. I did not think that. Way better than your browns. I, uh. I don't like the Seattle uniforms. I think they, uh, they're very like XFLE. They're very like campy or whatever. But again, that's you that's like I more, like the traditional you like the more ones. Classic, yeah. Like the, and you like the something that's different, so yeah. Long. Okay. Well, hey, we weren't gonna agree on all of them. So my number one, I think this um, it fits like my list a lot. Uh, but I'm pretty happy with it. I think they're the best uniforms. I think it's the best color scheme, and they've got a sick logo. And I want to see if they're doing anything different because they actually just changed cities this year. But I'm going with the Las Vegas Raiders. I love the black and silver. They wear like they wear that really cool look where it's basically black jerseys, like plain black jerseys with the silver numbers. The, the, I think their logo is super cool with it's like it's like the pirate. Um, they've changed very little since the beginning of the team ever. And uh, so I think it's classic. It's a really cool color scheme because no one else has silver. Um, you know, a bunch of teams use black, but like black is their main color. <coughs> and it's it's so like big a part of them that uh, like their fan section is called the black hole. And all their fans really get into it. And I just think it's like the perfect like, you know, mix. And uh, I think they nailed it. It's really simple, but it's really cool and iconic. So, uh, my number one, Oakland Raiders. I had considered putting them in my in my top five. Yeah. But um, I didn't. Mm. So, okay. my number one, and you're probably going to say, Ew. but um, I really like the throwback uniforms of the LA Rams. Oh, no. Those are cool. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think they're really cool. So, which ones do you like? Um like the most about like I like when it's like the what would you even call that royal blue like the with blue like the and yellow. gold yeah those yeah. are awesome those are great um I like I, I like when I they like do those yeah go ahead I like that it's like I, don't, I like that it's so different from other mm -hmm. teams yeah and um I just love like pops of color I like that helmet too yeah. when they have that it, you it, know, when they first like came out, I um I did not like them, mm -hmm. and I thought that they were like gross, and I don't yeah. know, they really like grew on me. I don't like the mustard yellow jerseys that they wear with those, and then yeah. the numbers are blue. I don't like that. Yeah. I like when the jerseys are blue. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And it was really weird because, so that was their throwbacks. Now it's their current jerseys. Like, it's back to them being their regular ones. But it was, it, like, when they brought those helmets back... The helmets didn't match the gold that was used on the jerseys. Like, they didn't update the jerseys yet. So, it was, like, a really weird mix that was, like, the helmets and the jerseys didn't match. Like, they didn't have the same, like, color palette. And I was so weirded out by it. But they, it seems like they've uh, fixed that problem. Maybe that's why I didn't like it in the beginning. Yeah. Because I remember there being something about it I didn't like. Yeah, it was so weird that the helmet didn't fit, like, the... Um, like the the jersey so it was strange but okay i i like that i'm not i'm not in disagreement with that list um well you were with in, in, two. in totality 
Um, but again, you were kind of just like going off the cuff with your list anyway, so. Yeah, but those were the best ones. Like, I went through all of them mm-hmm. today, and yeah. those were the best ones to me. I do I'll like your an, New Orleans choice. I'll give an honorable mention. Yeah, like maybe I could have moved things around, like, number-wise, like what I liked better. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, like, was really, just really discombobulated with this whole. That's fine theme but um i will give an honorable mention and i think just because this is like so classic as well and i can't even believe i'm gonna say it but i have always liked for the classicness of it the cowboys uniforms wow i was considering the cowboys and then yeah. the browns updated their because uniforms i just feel like them. you know who they are once yeah. you like see that like you know and like yeah no the star on yeah, the helmet the there's really not like, a lot to it yeah. yeah so i'll give them an honorable mention okay yeah that that's that's really that's that's really big of, big of you to do that. Um, a lot of people have been talking about how good the Steelers uniforms are, and I was like, "Suck it, no, get out of here." And uh, someone actually had the balls to say the Ravens have the best logo. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? That's disgusting. Like that's a crime." Yeah. So, uh, regardless, that's enough football talk. Uh, let me know. Let us know. Comment on Facebook, on Spotify, on iTunes. Twitter, whatever you're listening uh, on, let me know. What are your favorite uniforms of the NFL? And did you like what the Browns, Bucks, and Falcons did? Or uh, did they really miss it? Or do you think teams need to be more creative? Or do you think teams need to go to classics? So, you know, comment you know, and below and let us know what you think. So, all right, Sam, I'm going to do a new segment now. Uh, I want one line movie review, Okay. Okay. New, new segment. I haven't prepared for this. Um, I'm just going to read you a movie that we watched in the last week. And you're going to give me a one-line review. Okay? Now, when you say one line, it doesn't have to be like an actual sentence. It could just be <laughs> words that equal one line. Yeah, that's fine. This is a new segment, so this could be whatever you want it to be. Okay. So, like, do you want me to lead off? No, I'll try. Okay. I can do this. I think. Okay. And then if you want, you could give it a grade, whether it's a number grade, a letter grade, a amount of thumbs up or down, you decide. Okay. okay? So, I'm going to give you the movie, and you give me the thought. Okay? Movie we saw on Amazon Prime called Train to Busan. Ooh. Yeah. Um... Maybe I should have you go first. Okay. For this, Drain, Train to Busan, I'm going to say, uh, first of all, for people that don't know this movie, because you probably wouldn't, well, it's a like foreign you, film. I feel like you can't say it if you're going to do your one line right now. You shouldn't even describe anything. Fine. Yet. Fine. Okay. You're right. Train to Busan. Best zombie film around. Best foreign film I've seen since Parasite. I think that's like two lines, but... No, it's a comma. Uh it's it's a comma. So, uh, and my grade for the movie was a ninety. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, Train to Busan, Sam. Best zombie movie around. <laughs> Best foreign film I've seen. Get out. <laughs> How dare you disrespect the Jake podcast <laughs> listeners like this? They pay eight ninety nine a month to listen. To my podcast, and you do this. It was hard having you go first. I should have just went first myself, but I was gonna, I was gonna do it more like, you know, like zombies, suspense, like. Oh, I see. <laughs> sadness. Hurt. Subtitles. 
Fine. Okay, you can do that for the next one, all right? No, well, now we'll just see. But now that we've done the one line, can then we explain it, or are we going back to this? Um, or is I w- that just it? That's the end of it. No, because that's I the end like, of it. Because I feel like Train to Busan deserves more. Yeah, I shouldn't have picked this for Train to Busan. Um, uh, no, all right. Let's do Let's do one more one-liner, okay? okay. Deep Impact. You go first. Uh, the end of life as we know it. Oh, wow. Greatest disaster movie, period. I mean, not period, colon. <laughs> Morgan Freeman, the leader we need. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. And then one more one-liner, all right? Because now I feel like we're catching our groove. The movie, the classic, Takers. Mediocre heist movie. Uh, T.I.'s best performance. Oh, no, it's not even. <laughs> All right, for me, for Takers, uh, tries too hard to be cool. And no, no, no. Tries too hard to be cool, comma, only took two hours of my life. Get it? Like Takers? Uh, yeah, it took two hours of my life. Uh, I hated that movie. I wonder, sucked. I know it's not great. Alright, we can go into talking about the movies now for real. Thank you for talking over me. Sorry. I was going to say, I wonder if you would have felt differently if you saw it when it first came out and your mind was not as developed. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's like a fair Like, guess. I feel like it was like meant for... I like, don't remember like when it came out, but I feel like it was meant for, for like 17-year-old... That's fine. 17 year olds or yeah, something. Yeah, that's fine. I think I just really hate Hayden Christensen or Christian He's Haydenson. Like not even that big of a part in it. I just hate his existence. Okay. I, and it's not even the Star Wars fan in me. It's just <laughs> like the movie fan in me. I'm like, he shouldn't be on screen. He's just so bad. Okay, I hate well, him. don't go see Takers then. <laughs> don't see Takers. I, I gave it a 21. Yeah. That's my okay, take. Okay, let's go back to Train to Busan. Yeah, let's give Train to Busan. That deserves. Yeah. It really was. Like, we now have realized that foreign films... We've tapped into a, an area that we have never yeah. explored before. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I never like thought I'm, to watch these. I feel like these. we're missing out. I feel like I'm just now, like, catching up mm-hmm. on some things we've missed out on because... Usually, I don't know about you, but when I think like subtitles, I'm always like, oh, I got to like really pay attention. And it just seems like a lot of work (laughs) to watch a movie that you have to read. But based on our experience with Parasite and Train to Busan, I have found it very easy to follow along. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really enjoyed them both. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I, you know, I knew like, okay, Parasite had all this like, you know, hype and it ended up delivering. Uh, Then when... Your friends said uh, that we should check out Train to Busan. I was like, well, I love a trailer. Yeah, Let's watch a trailer. Yeah, shout out to my coworkers, Sue and Kayla. Yeah, it was a great recommendation. And then the movie ended up being like the best zombie movie out there. And it's crazy how much you like invest yourself in these characters when like I barely knew any of their names. I don't know if I knew any of their names. I know, but I want to see that one guy in more films. Yeah. It's great. It's great. And it brings me back to Snowpiercer. And I'm like, 
Uh, and it wasn't even directed by Bong Joon-ho, which I like thought going into the movie that it was going to be a Bong Joon-ho movie, and it wasn't. Um, but I, we've tapped into a whole new market. Yeah, and it was zombie-themed, which yeah. is very on, on theme, I feel, for life right now, because I feel like we are just one, one uh, I don't know, one step away from a zombie apocalypse. I hope we're more than one step away, but I, I don't do. Know, Jake, times are really. I do feel crazy. you. I do feel you there. Um, and deep impact. We don't need to go too far into this. We watched this late last night after uh, we watched one of our um, Sam's movie of the weeks. And I, cried I just last night, by the way, watching it. You did. I did. Really? Yeah. Wow. I did. You know what? I, I, I thought want, you weren't even watching. I didn't want you to see that I was crying. Wow. No, I was very much watching it. I. It, that's a movie that I feel like I've seen it a thousand times, but mm-hmm. whenever it's on, I could always get into it. Yeah. Um. And you put it on like from the start, and I feel like that's also a movie where I never watch see the, it from yeah. the start anymore. It's always like midway through when I catch it. That's the reason I put it on last night. I was like, I haven't seen the beginning of this movie maybe in twenty years. Yeah, but there's a lot of sad moments. And it's so sad, yeah. Really, you know, a lot of people die in that movie that don't need to die, you know, because because like you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this movie from the nineties, <laughs> click ahead now. But like they end up breaking the asteroid, and part of the asteroid crashes and wipes out like a little bit of the east coast. But had people known this this plan and were able to get away, like if everyone just left the eastern shoreline, like nobody would have had to die. No, you had to leave the eastern shoreline because mm-hmm. like New York was completely wiped out. Yeah. Okay. But but like my point is like if people had known that like that was only gonna be it, and it's like as long as you just get out of New York City, you'll be fine. Like if you just go to Ohio for a week, like. Well, not a week. The waters will recede a little bit longer than that. But like, <coughs> people didn't so have to die. Is my point. Ohio, T- but you had to go to. Tilly only thought the world was ending. Yes, yes and yes. she and she basically yeah. committed suicide. That's why. Though, and her mom did too. No, and that's what that's what I was just gonna bring up. That's why, if you ask me, like, what I would ever do in like, an apocalypse type, um, world, mm-hmm. like I would still always try because you never know when you're that close to like a cure or like yeah. finding some kind of um like, you gotta hold out hope as long as you like can that. yeah so I would not be a person who gives up no no I, I do know. however think that I would die for a stupid reason like I'd get like pneumonia or some shit and that's how I would die I don't even think I'd die from a zombie bite or anything I think I would die for some stupid reason where we are stuck in winter and I get sick and die. <laughs> Great. Because I get sick a lot. Great. Um, yeah, I mean, Deep Impact is one of my favorite movies. And, like, it's a very emotional scene, too, when the astronauts decide, instead of trying to go home and see their families one for, like, a little bit longer before the world ends, they're like, or we can just blow up the asteroid uh, and kill ourselves along with it. And potentially save Earth. Yeah, and they said, well... We'll all have high schools named after us, and <laughs> <coughs> which like that's a you know shitty consolation prize, but uh, you know knowing that your families move on and, and and live on and stuff, especially the one guy who's uh, you know who who you know went blind on the moon or the moon the asteroid and uh, got to hear like his son's voice, uh, who like you know he when he left his wife was pregnant so. Um, it's it's a really emotional scene too. Like he's like touching the um, he's blind at that point. He's touching the screen where like his son is and stuff. I teared up. I I, I straight up teared up last night. Yeah. It's a great movie and I think the music is done really well too. It like makes it emotional for you. 
So it's a good movie, and uh, you know, I, I I loved that we put it on last night and that you were into it. I I didn't realize I had you crying. I thought you weren't really interested. But I wasn't gonna share that I was crying. Oh. Well, you did with millions of listeners worldwide. <clears throat> what is she doing? She's scratching nothing. Anyway, moving on to the next movie review. One minute movie review. We'll give ourselves one minute to talk about this. You see it? All right. Three, two, one. The Hunt on Amazon Prime. Uh, what did you think about The Hunt? Um, I thought that I thought it was going to be different. I thought that it could have been better. I thought it was going to be more. Uh, so can I spoil spoiler alert? I thought yeah, it was going to be more alert. like you're really following. So The Hunt is about. Um, Basically, like, rich people hunting kind of, like, mm-hmm. poor people. Um, and I thought that you were going to follow, like, the journey of the hunt more. Um, and that really wasn't the case. So, it was okay. I would give it, like, a, I don't know, like, a 52. Yeah. It was, like, it was very interesting at parts. But I hated that they only covered the one girl. And then they also, like, they made the storyline, like, so weird. They were, like... Okay, we were supposed to believe that, like, this, like, happens every year. And then we're like, okay, is this the first year? And then it was like, it happened because people were joking about it and then got caught. And then they're pissed that they got caught joking about it. So then they did it anyway. I was like, it, it, it was very confusing, the whole, like, how this came about. And I just wish that, like... They didn't make this a one and done because I thought they could have made this like purge movies. Yeah, that's what I really thought it was going to be about. And you get to see like the whole purge night. Um, and I, so I thought that that's what it would be like. But it really wasn't. And a lot of the spoiler again, a lot of the deaths of the people who were being hunted happened like right away. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. Like they, they had like famous actors and actresses that they. Um, that they probably like hired to put in this movie killed him off in the first 15 minutes but um anyway i thought it was i thought it was still like a movie worth watching and it was good to see like a new movie out there so i thought it was worth watching our next one minute movie review um this is kind of throwback comedy also disaster movie this is the end one of the funnier movies out there and we were watching some like bloopers of this and just got like we were just laughing so hard at the bloopers that we're like, you know what? Let's just put on the movie. Like let's let's just enjoy it. And I freaking love the interactions between like James Franco and Danny McBride in this. It's so funny. I I forgot how funny it was. I until we were watching yeah you know, like the clips on YouTube, and they're just. I love that they play like these versions of themselves, and they kind of like really um, like dig into like the stereotypes or or rumors that have been heard about yeah like themselves like you know there's always been a rumor that james franco is gay yeah and yeah. so like the fact that they like touch on that and then just, just i just think it's really funny and i um and then they build up jonah hill to be this like pretentious douchebag yeah and michael sarah is the one character that is so crazy out of his mind they're like they're like let's take the one guy who wouldn't be this and make him that that was so funny um, guys, we had to take a time out because our dog, for some reason, is trying to dig through our rug for the first time ever, live on the podcast. Noah, do you have anything to say for yourself? No, she shut her mouth and she waved no. Um, but yeah, this is the end. Is is one of the 
I think like the funniest comedies, especially of that crew, like the you know Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, um, not Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's barely in that movie, but uh, of like James Franco crew. It's funny. It's a good one. It's a good watch, and I give it like a ninety-two. Wow. Well, in the comedy scores, you know, like like they're not trying to go for technical achievement. Yeah. You know? No, I know. Yeah. And and just the whole scene between Danny McBride and James Franco when they're going through the magazine and. I don't know. I just I crack the whole the whole up the whole, I crack up the whole thing. I don't even I don't even know the words I'm saying. What's the next movie? Alright. So we're moving on past the one minute movie reviews. I've a couple Sam movie of the weeks I want to go through. Okay. First one is Drive. We watched this last night, fresh in your mind. You don't have to go too much into it if you don't want. Um the, I I kind of gave my thoughts on Instagram. Uh I think it's it's kind of a boring movie, but it's like it's boring because they're trying to build up the intensity throughout, and it's really cool to see Ryan Gosling's character, who like you think at first it's like he's just quiet, he doesn't talk much, and then like he is like a psychopath when it comes down to it, and he is super like protective of this new girl, and I think they did a really good job with the music and the sound and the editing of of like that stuff. And the the use of like silence in the movie, uh, I just wish they need they had more like driving sequences because they were so cool and like the color they used in the movie, the shots, like the cinematography, it was really like a pretty movie. I gave it an eighty eight because I just wanted more of that. I just like I was like, it's a movie called Drive. I need more like driving like sequences. Yeah, I thought I wasn't excited to watch this because I had heard that it was kind of boring mm-hmm. and that he doesn't talk much in the movie. So I wasn't excited and I didn't really show like any interest in it, but I was, you know, like watching it while scrolling through Instagram. So I can't say like too, too much. Yeah. But it was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and a little bit more action than I thought there would be. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do you have a grade for it or do you just, uh, say, you know, I'm gonna not s- bad. I'm going to say not bad because I didn't really like pay full attention. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we did scratch it off our list. It's the fifteenth movie we've done on our list, and uh, I, you know, we actually watched another one this past weekend. Uh, we were thinking about watching Boys in the Hood. We we're thinking about watching American History X and a couple others that came up, like Back to the Future or uh, The Big Lebowski or Fight Club. But we eventually settled on Leon the Professional. This movie I have seen parts of going in. Um, and I knew it was about an assassin, and I knew he was protecting Natalie Portman. I didn't know why. Uh, then we watched the movie in full, and I gotta say, really creepy. Very creepy. Very creepy. Uh, I understand that they're going for this whole like relationship between like the assassin and taking care of like the young girl and kind of like taking on responsibility for the first time in his life. Like I understand that storyline, and I kind of liked the storyline. However. The way, like, like Natalie Portman is a pretty, you know, big overactor for a nine-year-old or ten-year-old or whatever in it. And, like, this whole, like, falling in love with Leon thing. And, like, then they had, like, a couple moments throughout the movie where I'm like, this is way too creepy for me. Like, like I understand, like, what they're doing, but, like, it should have been more of, like, a protege type thing. And less romance. And they're even using, like, romantic, like, French music, too. I was very confused, and I was very uncomfortable. Very strange movie. 
I, I picked, we picked it because we, I thought it was going to be more, you were going to see more of the action of like yeah. the assassin. Mm-hmm. And it was really this weird relationship between the two of them mm-hmm. that I just did, I didn't get. Yeah, I didn't love it. I gave it like a 42. I think and you gave it something even lower. Like a, something in the 30s possibly. Might have been even the 20s. I, don't, I can't even remember. <laughs> it was, but, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And I thought the main guy, I, don't, I can't remember the actor's name, but I thought like his acting was weird. It reminded me very much of um, Sylvester Stallone from like in Rocky where it's just like, Boring. Over acting boring. Mm-hmm. Like, I just did not like it at all. Yeah, it didn't deliver. Um, the one thing that it had going was Gary Oldman was kind of a really good, like, psychopath bad guy. And it had that meme that is going, that, like, is used a lot. And I didn't realize it was from this movie where he, like, turns around and just, like, screams everyone at, like, his henchmen. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that was from this movie. So I gave it a couple extra bonus points for Gary Oldman. I don't know. I but thought he was weird. He, he was certainly weird. I just thought, like, like I don't know. I, I just he thought was, it was, he was pretty good at it. Um, just very strange. And, like, it didn't really make any sense, the mm-hmm. plot. Yeah. So I, it was, I, I would not recommend it. Yeah, I was, like, I was a little confused with the whole, like, DEA um, drug selling angle. And, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. And, uh. One of my friend's girlfriends said it was one of her favorite movies, and I thought that was a really poor choice. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Sarah. (laughs) But I just, uh, I don't like that. Um, All right, last last Sam movie of the week, uh, Groundhog Day. We watched this actually like two weeks ago. Um, Very fitting considering we are living in a virtual Groundhog Day every day. Because, yeah, it feels like Groundhog Day. I, th- I gave this a grade right around Ghostbusters where I was like, look, it's an 80s comedy where basically you have like a half of a plot and Bill Murray being funny. Um, Bill Murray is really funny when he gets to be sarcastic and when he gets really frustrated. And I thought that was most of this movie. I didn't like the romance between him and Andy McDowell. I don't know why she was such a big like heartthrob back then. Right. Like, I think she's cute, but... I would agree. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, she's she's pretty, but like, she's supposed to be like the desirable like yeah. romantic interest in like a lot of stuff. Yeah, so I don't get it. I don't get it either. Um, I, I I gave this movie like an 81, 82, something like that. Um, I don't, I, you know, it's Groundhog Day. Like, there are a couple funny jokes. Uh, there are a couple like repeatable lines and stuff like that. Uh, however, I don't think it's. Um, anything to write home about and if you're looking to see a movie that like you think is really funny i don't know i could i could name 50 movies right off the bat that i would watch over this if we're talking comedies it's not one of my favorites but it was on the list so we had to do it we had to do it but hey we're 15 movies down uh we've watched a lot of movies that we've either seen or like know of so we're going kind of blind to the next section of this list uh, but I'm really interested and, and curious to see how this will go. Um, all right. So that's it for the movies of the week. I do have one entrance into the 100 Club. You can comment on it as much as you want. Um, you know, Jurassic Park just missed the 100 Club. Same with The Dark Knight. And a lot of people had some comments on this, on how it was just short. And frankly, my scores are my scores. Those got 99s. You said what you said. I said what I said. Those were 99s because... For me to pick, give a movie a 100, 
I really need to like buy into everything because it's not like where some things I'll let go if I'm scoring it around an 80. I'm like I'm not going to like, you know, get super nitpicky. But if it's a difference between a 99 and 100, I need to see things. And in The Dark Knight, there are just too many scenes that like go unexplained and how perfectly timed all these things are. And like I, I, I said what I said, you know, Bruce Wayne sees a guy about to hit another car from like a mile away and drives up and hits and intersects at the perfect time. I don't buy it. I said what I said. However, a movie that I do put in the 100 Club, and I do not, uh, do I do not hesitate on, is The Departed. Please say it in a Boston accent. The Departed. Thank you. The the humbly departed. I, I don't know if my Boston accent's any good, but I I just think like the acting is 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 like perfect. You have Leo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Jack Nicholson. Like down to like the low the people that are only in it for like a little bit like you got Martin Sheen you have uh, I think Alec Baldwin's hilarious in it. There's so many people deliver on the acting level. The story is one of the best stories in any movie. It's got such a cool plot. It's got a lot of fun twists and turns. It's a it's an awesome suspenseful cop thriller, um, and it's like one of the most rewatchable movies. Period. Like anytime it's on, you're like I love that movie. It's great. Um, what, what are your thoughts on The Departed? It's one of those movies that I wish I could watch again for the first time. Oh, great. Because all yeah. the, you know, twists in it. <laughs> um, but I love it. Absolute all-star cast. Yeah. Um, I thought they all did extremely well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I love it. It's a great movie. Yeah, it had a ton of award noms. It was the first time I had ever seen a movie get, like, multiple actors nominated for the same category. Where I was like, it's that good that they have multiple supporting actor nominations. I also like Matt Damon playing, like, the bad guy. Yeah, he's good at it. He's good at, like, you want to punch him, like, throughout the whole movie. And Leo DiCaprio, you like that he's kind of, like, this, like, dirty good guy. And and, and he's really good at that. And... I think that what's really cool in the movie is they they make their like deaths worth it. Like all the deaths in the movie, and there are a lot of them, um, they make the scene like very pivotal, and it's like it, like jaw dropping type stuff. Like each one of the you know people when they're killed, and I don't know. I just I think it's great. I don't have anything to to nitpick. I, I watch it like I, I've seen this movie a ton of times, and I've got nothing to nitpick it on. Uh, the accents, you know, are, are hilarious to me, but it's just the story, the way it's shot, everything is perfect. So, 100, departed. Congratulations on making the 100 Club for the Jake. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to take a little break right now. Um, Sam, thank you for joining me on the podcast this week. Uh, the last section is just going to be me talking a couple offensive tackles uh, for the NFL draft, so I'm not going to waste your time on that. Instead, we can uh, we can go stop our dog from... I don't know, whatever the fuck she's up to yeah, tonight. she is antsy tonight. It, she knows we're doing something without her, and, and she's, there's a problem with it. She's trying to get our attention. But, yeah. Sam, thank you for being on the podcast. Say goodbye to everybody, and, uh, yeah, whatever your sign-off might be. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. All right, we'll be right back. All right, so I want to thank the lovely Samantha Swayze for co-hosting tonight's episode. It was a lot of fun, but I do want to get to some football talk before I let you guys go, um, I want to rank. We're a week away from the pod, uh, from the NFL draft, my personal Super Bowl, one of my favorite events. 
Last year, I missed the first round to see Marvel's The Avengers Endgame on opening night, and it was worth it. The Browns didn't have a first-round pick. The first overall pick was kind of like a lock with uh, Kyler Murray going to Arizona. So I was excited to go see Marvel you know, in theaters on opening night and not have anything spoiled. It was so worth it. Uh, this year, not the same, not really the same, you know, with, uh, you know, the quarantine going on and everything kind of just shut down. It's a great, uh, night to watch the, the draft. So, uh, I don't, I'm not going to go into a lot of draft stuff because, uh, you know, you guys don't want to hear all that, but I do want to decipher a little bit because I was recently asked about the offensive tackles in this draft. There were Five, that's, there's kind of like a group of four that stick out the most, but, uh, you know, I want to do a top five because it does get interesting after those four, and uh, I was talking to a couple of my friends, and some of them asked, how do you, you know, who's the best tackle? I've heard any of four different guys, and they all seem to be these, like, top-level prospects, uh, so much so that we're now nitpicking them, and I don't think we need to. So I want to do a little comparison here of the four offensive tackles that I think uh, are the top. And then I'm going to include my fifth one. Um, my number one offensive tackle is Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. Um, to me, like his comparison, he's like the gift from the O-line gods. He's strong as hell. He's fast. He has great technique. He's like he's really strong. I put that in here like three times. Uh, he can play anywhere. He's played on the right side, the left side. He can play guard or tackle. He's scheme versatile. He's super young, which means like his potential is through the roof. And he's still an instant starter anyway. He's one of the youngest people in the draft. So, like, if you were to create like the Greek god of offensive line, and he were to create an offensive tackle and send him to Earth, Tristan Wirfs is the choice. Uh, he's my number one for the you know zone uh, scheme that the Browns might be running this year. I'm really excited. I really want him to be there. However, I do think that if he's there at eight to Arizona, they're going to take him because they could use just an upgrade at any point in their offensive line. And they already added uh, you know DeAndre Hopkins, the wide receiver, so they could really use an offensive tackle. So I think Wirfs will be gone by 10 for the Browns, but I think he's the number one. Now, my next one is my number two offensive tackle. I've seen him. He used to be their number one. I've seen him as low as number four. Uh, so I'm going to go with Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Uh, and to me, he's like the son of the Hall of Fame tackle and Hall of Fame coach. Uh, he knows exactly what to do on every play. Uh, his technique might not be perfect, but his like percentage of doing the right thing in the SEC is is just flat up awesome. He's always in the right place at the right time. He's never allowing pressures. It's it's always just like he's just winning his job every play. Like if he has 65 offensive snaps, he's going to win 64 of them. And I think that's what you really want in an offensive tackle is you don't need him to be the greatest player of all time. You need him to just win his matchups. And that's what I really liked about on Andrew Thomas. I think it's going to be, um, I think he's the perfect fit for the Browns at 10 because Wirfs is probably gone. Um and I, I think it's just a, a, a really easy slot. Joe Thomas said a lot of really kind words about Andrew Thomas. Uh, Nick Chubb did too. I think he's a perfect fit for the Browns at 10. 
Uh, I could see him going to any of these O-line needy teams and being an instant starter at left tackle where he'll probably be a starter for a long time. Um, but he's like that type of player that he's focused on his task. He wins every time. And uh, he's kind of like the smart offensive tackle. Like he just knows what to do. So I like that. Uh, my third offensive tackle is Mackay Becton uh, out of Louisville. And to me, he's the alien. He's like the Superman. He was sent to Earth from a different planet that plays football at a different speed, different strength, different size. Uh, he's just built different. He's 365 pounds. He's 6'7", and he runs a 5'1". It, it like doesn't, un, like I can't even understand how he moves the way he does and how he can be so big and move like that. Um, obviously, the questions come from, he ran the ball a lot at Louisville, and you wonder, he, he he didn't take the same amount of pass steps that the other guys did. His his you know his pass sets. So um, you know if he had a kryptonite, if we're taking like that Superman approach, is that the NFL team that takes him is going to be projecting a little bit. It's not like Andrew Thomas where you know exactly what you're getting. It's not like Tristan Wirfs where it's like oh this is an O line factory Iowa. And, uh, you know, he's built like that. Mikai Becton, he's got definitely the highest ceiling, but also the lowest floor because you could definitely see it kind of working out like Greg Robinson, where he's got all the tools and everything to make it work, but the NFL game is just too fast for him. And he ends up kind of being a like swing tackle. And that's not what you want if you're drafting in the first round, especially with these other tackles available. Uh, I do have him as the number three one though, because I just think if you can hit that potential, you're getting yourself like a pro bowler. So uh, my number four offensive tackle is Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. A lot of people have him as the number one. I have him as the number four because uh, I don't think his technique is, is as good as the top two guys. And he has only played on the right side. Uh, if he was to have like a comparison, he's like the All-American. He's the all-everything, the coach's favorite, the superstar. He dominated a big program in a big conference. He's got a nasty streak. He make, He's like the bully on the field. Um, the only thing is, you know, you wonder about the scheme fit. You know, can he be power or uh, a zone? I don't think that's a problem. I think this is where we like get nitpicky. Where like guys are saying like, oh, he doesn't fit what the Browns are doing. It's like, no, he fits. If the other two guys ahead of him didn't exist, he'd be perfectly fine at 10 for the Browns. Um, I just think, you know, people are nitpicking because you have four great offensive tackles up there. Um, it's really hard to pass on a dominant offensive lineman like him. I think uh, Tampa Bay is a really good fit. The Jets would be a really good fit. And if the Giants wanted to go, you know, offensive tackle, he seems like the type of guy that Gettleman would take. Uh, I think he's super powerful. I just, I don't like how often he uses his chest, shoulders, and helmet to block when I'd rather him have his hands on the inside where, you know, that's where you see Andrew Thomas, where he like separates himself is how he uses his hands. But uh, that's something that if you can coach that up, you've got an absolute mauler bully of a tackle. And if you're okay playing him on the right side, he's ready to slide in right away. Um, you know, and that's the other thing with Wirfs is people say he he's played right. He's also played on the left though. So 
it's not like you know a big deal for Werfs because you've seen him swing around and play both sides. I haven't seen it from Wills. Um, however, Tristan Werfs said something hilarious. Um, he thought, it, it, you know, they asked him, okay, if what is it like swinging from the right to the left side? He's like, well, it's kind of like wiping with your other hand. And uh, he's like, you can do it. You can get the job done. But uh, it feels kind of weird. So I thought that was a really funny like comparison, but uh, it, it's interesting and it's definitely worth um, like looking into. But I think if you're an, a, t- a tackle needy team, any of these four really fit the bill. I think those four kind of uh, stick out. There's a lot of really good offensive tackles. You're after those four. There's another six that I think if you were to draft, you'd be happy with them as a possible starter. Maybe not right away. Um, you have guys like Austin Jackson, uh, Matthew Pert. I like a little bit later, maybe not to start, but um, if we're talking about starters right away, Austin Jackson was was one from USC that I could see as the fifth. Um, Isaiah Wilson has gotten a lot of talk. The other one out of Georgia, you know, um, Andrew Thomas's bookend. But the one that I really like the most is uh, Josh Jones. I've been uh, on his game for a while. He's like that small school underdog if there were if you were like labeling him. Uh, but he dominated and he graded so well in pro football focus and he still played against really good competition. He he did well against teams like Oklahoma and anytime they played up against one of like the bigger programs. Uh, he's athletic, he's strong, he's mobile and still has plenty of room to grow and a lot like Andrew Thomas where He's going to be the guy that gets the job done on each play. He'll need some coaching up, and that's why he won't be in any of the talk for like top 10 picks. I mean, look, he still could go number 10 if if a couple of the guys go early and, and there's a run on tackles, but that's why he's not getting the same love that the other four are. Um, I think he's solidly in that range from uh, 18, Miami's second pick, to... 26, Miami's third pick, really. I think he's kind of like that mid to late first round pick. And if you're a team like the Browns or the Jets, where you miss your, t- or, or the Bucks, where you miss your tackle, the one you were targeting, uh, if you want to move down into the later first round and get a guy, uh, Josh Jones, Austin Jackson, and Ezra Cleveland kind of seem to be the three there. And Josh Jones is my, is my pick. But again, you could. there's a lot to like about all those three guys and the top seven and eight if you include Isaiah Wilson. So uh, it's a really good class. And I'm a big fan of Lucas Niang too out of t- TCU. He's just uh, He's got the injury concern. And in a year with so many good offensive tackles, it's tough to hold that injury label uh, and have teams go with you when there's a healthier guy that's just as good, if not better. So it's a tough year to have that. But if Niang is the type of guy that goes in like the third round, you could be getting a huge steal because he's he was a first rounder not too long ago. Um, but that that is that's my top five tackles. I think it's the best tackle class we've had in a really long time. You're going to see a lot of starters from this class, um, and, and I mean. I wouldn't be surprised to see any of those five as the number one tackle um, years from now. Uh, if I were to take a guess, I think the best tackle is going to be uh, Andrew Thomas because I just think he's a safe bet to be really good. Whereas, you know, Werfs, I don't know where he's going to play. I mean, look, they're all going to be great. I just, if I had to pick one, uh, I'm picking Andrew Thomas and I'm pretty happy with that pick. Okay, guys, and 
Finally, for my last segment of the podcast this week, I uh, I ran a poll and I wanted to see which team I should fix in this coming NFL draft. Which team can I take and make them into a playoff team? I, I put the Redskins, the Bengals, the Giants, and the Jets as options, and Jets won on the vote. So quickly, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to see what the Jets should do for the remainder of this offseason for uh, for them to jump into the playoffs, all right? So right now they have the 11th pick, and that's kind of a tough spot because, like I said before with the offensive tackles, they might be in a tough spot where they don't get their choice. And then in this mock, Tristan Wirfs went fourth overall to the Giants, okay? And then Mekhi Becton went eighth overall to the Cardinals, and Andrew Thomas went 10th overall to the uh, to the Browns. So, so that left them with Jedrick Wills. And I thought Wills would be a really good spot here. However, I like the idea of them possibly moving down. And here's why. The Atlanta Falcons are really looking to come up. And we don't know who they're, dra- who they're targeting. But Thomas Dimitrov has made it kind of clear that he looks to be moving up from 16. There's talk of that 9-10-11 spot where the Jags, Browns, and Jets pick. So in this mock, I have the Jets trading down and acquiring the 47th overall pick. So now they'll have back-to-back second-round picks. And I think that's really going to help them out because they have a couple things that they have to fill. Now, uh, or I'm sorry, they have 47th, 48th pick. I'm not sure what I said before. But uh, at 16, they really luck out because I think... The Jets have a couple needs they have to fill. They need to get an edge defender. They need to get some improvements on the offensive line. And they need a number one wide out for Sam Darnold. Because they have invested a lot in Sam Darnold, but they haven't surrounded him enough. Now, their defense is pretty good. I kind of like what they have there. So I don't think they need to go edge in the first round. Um, What I do think they need to do, however is get him a weapon. And considering the top tackles are off the board, Wills goes 14 to Tampa Bay. 16, Jerry Judy is available to the Jets, and I think that's a home run pick. Uh, Sam Darnold needs a number one wide receiver, and Judy slides in as probably the best receiver in the AFC East uh, if if the Jets take him. And at 16, a trade down, I mean, they could have taken him in 11 and been happy. They get an additional second-round pick. Uh, This is huge for them. So uh, he slides in as their number one wide receiver. They still have guys like Anunwa, Bashad Perriman, and Jameson Crowder to be their two through four receivers. And that just makes the rest of their receiving core that valuable because Judy is immediately a number one. He runs great routes. He's got very good speed. Uh, His hands are great. And he is a scorer. He is a touchdown machine. So I think uh, the Jets really do Sam Darnold well with getting a guy who's going to get separation and catch everything that's thrown to him. Uh, If I'm the Jets, I want to protect Sam Darnold and I want to give him weapons. And right now he's lacking both. Um, But this is a great move in the right direction. I think this is a great pick for the Jets. Now, uh, they go into the second round. Now they have two picks. They have the 47th and the 48th pick. And uh, I think they they luck out really well here because Lucas Niang is there at 47. And that's a home run because you can sign, you can pick him. And he's probably a day one starter, maybe not. But uh, he's certainly 
got the stuff to be a franchise left tackle, and uh, that's a huge pick for them. He can, you know, possibly with I have a free agent ad that I'm going to talk about in a second, um, sit for a year and learn and be the left tackle of the future. Maybe you play him at right tackle because George Fant isn't exactly um, the most reliable offensive lineman, and I don't know why they picked him. I thought. When they signed him and Connor McGovern, I thought, okay, those are some depth signing. But they signed those guys to start. So uh, if I'm fixing the Jets, I bring up those guys uh, um, uh, to be to to bench. I bench those guys and I pick some new guys um, to you know fix the defense. Now with the 48th pick, you know I think they could go a bunch of different ways. However, uh, you know, running back, you have guys like Jonathan Taylor is sitting there, but uh, I think this is a little rich for a running back. I do want to eventually move on from Le'Veon Bell because I don't want to be paying running backs top dollar when I have more important positions that are harder to address out there. Uh, But I'm not picking a running back just yet. Uh, Right now, I'm going to take Trayvon Diggs, cornerback from Alabama. Um, There are a couple corners that go right before him. Uh, I like Cameron Dantzler. I really like AJ Terrell, uh, and there are a couple guys that go in the first round as well. But at 48, I think this is good value for Diggs. He's maybe not a number one corner right away, but he could reach that potential. And I think uh, at the position, you know, the Jets they want to apply pressure and they want their quarterback corners to uh, live on an island. That Greg Williams defense is really aggressive, and I think uh, getting Diggs from Alabama is great. Uh, then I uh, next pick is in this in early in the third round. Uh, this is just a great home run pick for them. I'm going Damon Arnett, another corner out of Ohio State, uh, doubling down on the corner position. I had Arnett and Diggs were kind of toss ups there in the second round, so to get Arnett here is just great value. And this totally revamps their position where they have two safeties in the back end that are that they pick together. You know when they took Jamal Adams and. Um, Oh gosh, I, f- I forget his name. Uh, Mays uh, out of Florida in the same draft. I thought, okay, that's um, you know, like they really doubled down, but they wanted to make this like their identity, and I think this is a kind of a similar approach where they want to get a couple some youth in there. They uh, they just got rid of Tremaine Johnson, who was a bust signing. This way, uh, you not only do you double down at the position, but you double your odds of getting a stud corner if you draft two of them. Uh, and as your fourth pick in this draft, after going Judy and Niang, getting two corners, this is this is really good for the Jets, and I think uh, this is just a great home run pick for them. Now they're back on the clock, eleven picks later, and I want to get back to the offense. Uh, part of fixing the Jets is freeing up some cap room. Uh, they're not going to do anything about Le'Veon Bell this year, but I think this is his last year in New York, and. If I'm going to move on from Le'Veon Bell in a year, I want to have a running back that I know can tote the rock. And I think Cam Akers out of Florida State at, Florida State at 79 is a really good pick for them. He can sit as, you know, kind of like Nick Chubb did for a year where, you know, he gets mixed into the carries. He gets some touches, but he's really just like a backup and a third down guy. Um He's not going to compete with Bell for touches. He's really going to have to just get there as you know an injury replacement and 
you know, on, on downs where Bell needs a breather. But if they want to move on from Le'Veon Bell next year and free up some cap room for them to sign guys like edge defenders and give uh, Jamal Adams an extension and create some money for Sam Darnold's eventual ex- extension, I think that's where they're going to have to let go of some guys is definitely Le'Veon Bell. But fortunately, with this pick, Cam Akers, he will be the starting running back when they're able to move on from Bell. And uh, I think that's a seamless transition, and they won't have to worry about it after they take Akers. Okay, so a little bit of a break here. Uh, The next pick for the Jets is pick 120. And there are a couple different routes we could have went. I was considering Hunter Bryant, the tight end out of Washington. But I've given him, uh, you know, given a wide receiver and a running back already. And I want to improve the offensive line again. Uh, Tyler Biadaz or Badass as as, uh, out of Wisconsin. Uh, I think he's just really good value here. He's a guy that could have, you know, at one point was a first round prospect and uh, his numbers didn't really, you know, support that. However, the one thing Wisconsin guys do is they continue, they always, always do better than they're expected to do. And they continually put out pro prospects. Uh, I think Baidaz is got got the potential to be an, a starter on the inside at either guard or center. And I think for the Jets to get that at pick 120, that would do them really well. Uh, right now, they have some decent players there, but uh, I'm looking at 120 as just a really good value spot for them. And, uh, you know, this way, wherever the depth issue comes from, Baidaz will fill that and possibly be the starter sooner rather than later. Um, you know, between him and Niang, possibly getting a starting left tackle and center reminds me of the days of drafting Brickishaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold, you know, and, and how, look how that turned out. So not exactly the highest profile picks um, like those guys were in the first round. This would do them well, though. Um, like I said, it's all about protecting Sam Darnold. And I think that's another pick that goes that way. Um, speaking of which, Sam Darnold, uh, time to get him another uh, uh, another receiver. Now, I know he's already got a full receiver room. However, I look at Tyler Johnson at pick 158, and I think that is just so much potential there. He is Tyler Johnson's getting slept on. I've seen him go as high as the 70s. So to be at 158, uh, you're playing with, you know, you're playing with house money at that point. Um, and this also sets up the Jets where, you know, when they're trying to create money, maybe they cut Jamison Crowder next year or they move on from Brashad Perriman um, or they move on from Quincy Anunwa, wherever they need to cut money and they can instead have a mid-round wide receiver who I think, you know, at that point, you know, in his second year, you can depend on a guy like Tyler Johnson whether it's out of the slot or kind of just as a uh, you know a, a perimeter guy, you know Jerry Judy will be the number one. Tyler Johnson's going to have no eyes on him. Um, this is another spot where I could have taken a tight end, but the tight ends in this draft aren't exactly that strong. I'd rather, if I was the Jets, just ignore the position and focus on it next year because you're really not going to get any impact guys this year. So you might as well just try and get a free agent next year or even go into the draft needing that because um, you're really not going to get any impact guys at this point. Uh, you might as well 
you'd have as good as a bet going undrafted free agents um, because they're, the tight ends really drop off after the first like two, and even those guys aren't exactly first-round picks. They're not even second-round picks. Uh, with two picks left, uh, I, I'm going Cameron Clark with that 191 tackle out of Charlotte. Uh, he played really well in his one like high-profile matchup when he played Clemson. Uh, he's got a really good tape. Uh, some people don't like his size for tackle. I think it's okay. Like, but maybe you get a possible guard in there. And just like the Biadas pick, like it's depth for now, but potential starters. And I think just between Nyang, Clark, and Biadas, you could have some potential, some really potential starters along the offensive line. Nyang three in one draft would be huge. And like I said, protecting Sam Darnold has to be in their number one goal. They've made their bed. It's Sam Darnold. He's their guy. Whether you like him or not, you need, you owe it to yourself to at least see what you've got. And in this draft, I've given him three offensive linemen, a running back of the future where he'll take over for Bell and you won't lose a lot there, and two wide receivers, one of them being Jerry Judy, who could be the best in the AFC East. So we've done our job protecting Sam Darnold and uh, now giving him uh receivers now it's on him to improve to improve his accuracy to uh take care of the risks and the turnovers and uh be the leader that this team needs uh that that's that's all i can say about that and the last pick uh at 211 i'm going edge depth dj wanham out of south carolina uh look he's got good size and uh he's a high effort guy and greg williams loves those uh high motor edge defenders and I think that'd be a really good pick. And this is late, late in the draft, seventh round. Uh, we're looking at guys that could potentially just be special teams aces. And this just seems like a Greg Williams pick. I think this would go well for the Jets. Um, so that's my draft for the Jets. Wanham, uh, Cameron Clark, Ty- Tyler Johnson, Tyler Biadas, Cam Akers, Damon Arnett, Trevon Diggs, uh, Lucas Niang, and Jerry Judy. That's a really good haul for them. I think they did their number one thing of giving Sam Darnold uh, targets or uh, or weapons, but uh, and also protecting him. Uh, of course, there isn't just the draft left to help uh, Sam Darnold and the Jets. They have twenty five million dollars in cap room right now, and while that's not a ton, there are some players out there on the market that I think they could really use that could help them right away. Uh, number one is Jadeveon Clowney, who is still unsigned. But I think, he, I mean, I've been saying that I really want the Browns to go after him. Even if the Browns do go after him and the Browns cut Olivier Vernon, I think Olivier Vernon is a guy that they should go after. They need an edge rusher, and Clowney or Vernon, whoever is left there, Vernon would be a little bit cheaper if he hits the market. Uh, but if it's Clowney... That would be a great signing for them. They should go in, and that's an important position. They should attack it. And Clowney's stock has fallen a bit recently, so I think uh, they can get him cheaper than what he originally was asking. And finally, I think you know, and that's going to be in that sixteen million range. And finally, I think they can get Jason Peters on a one-year contract. This way, it doesn't pressure Lucas Niang to come back from injury. It doesn't pressure him to play left tackle right away. Maybe he he. Uh, battles with Fant at right tackle, and instead Peters 
is your left tackle for this season, a guy that's super dependable, a guy that has been around the block. He's old, he's 38, but that probably means he won't be demanding a lot of money. Um, Philadelphia to New York, not a very far commute from where he's from. So uh, I think that's just a really good signing, and that would be the best offensive lineman the Jets have. So if you add him to protecting Darnold, then Niang takes the pressure off of him, and uh, it makes that Judy pick in the first round look that much smarter because if you get Peters, you wouldn't need to pick Wills. You can do that trade down, and instead of Wills, you get Judy and Trevon Diggs. I love the, the cornerback pairing, and I think if you are a Jets fan and this is what they come away with this offseason, it's very realistic to say they can take a run at the AFC East. Uh, Darnold needs to take the proper steps forward, but hey, that's the bed that they've chosen. You have to just go all in with Sam Darnold at this point, or you strip it down. Like, And that's the same for Baker Mayfield. It's the same for Josh Allen. Those teams, they've taken quarterbacks with these questions, and we're entering a pivotal year three for these guys. Um, Lamar Jackson, they built a team around Lamar Jackson so he can succeed. And they've built him an offense and a system that works for him. The Jets need to do the same. So uh, I think signing Peters, picking Niang, Baidaz, Cameron Clark, protects him and, and takes away any excuse for him to, you know, to continue with his turnover ways. And then, of course, picking Judy and picking Tyler Johnson, that's huge for him. So uh, that's how I fix the Jets. If they do those moves, I predict 10 and 6. Uh, and I predict at least a wild card berth. Still don't really know what to think of the Patriots this upcoming draft. But anyway, everyone, thanks for listening to the podcast again. Uh, next week, it will be the draft special, my you know most wonderful time of the year. So uh, please listen to that one. And uh, go Browns.